Father, we thank you for the songs that have been sung, the prayers that have been prayed, an opportunity to worship you through our giving. And now that we have come to the time to declare your word, we ask that it will touch the hearts, the minds of your people, that you will be glorified. We thank you. We honor you for it all. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are now into our fourth episode of our series, Dysfunctional Old Stories, Same Problems. Old Stories, Same Problems. This episode, episode number four, Jacob is wrestling with God and finds reconcili reconciliation with God and his brothers. And so that indicates to us that walking by faith is a struggle, but reconciliation paves the way to healing. Walking by faith is a struggle, but reconciliation paves the way to healing. So let's look at our definitions for today. Dysfunction is abnormal or unhealthy interpersonal behavior or interaction within a group. Promise. Promise in general is a declaration, written or verbal, made by one to another, which binds the person who makes it to do or to forbear to do. And our new word for this week is reconcile. Reconcile is to restore to friendship or harmony, to settle or resolve. We are on our fourth episode, as I said before. If you remember, when we started off episode number one, the subtopic of that, the subtitle of that was In Spite of Me. Then we went on to episode number two, which we called Bless This Mess. Last week, we talked about legacy change in episode number three. And now, episode number four, we're going to look at the name change. The name change. Now, when I came up with this title of the name change, I was thinking about how we give names to certain things. In fact, we all have a name. Some of our names are the names that were given to us at birth. Some of the names that we are called was given to us by an aunt, an uncle, a cousin, or somebody that couldn't pronounce our name, so they called us something else. Because I've never seen on nobody's birth certificate ever Junebug. I've never seen on nobody's birth certificate scooter. And I've never seen nobody's name handbone on a birth certificate. But there are people called those things. I, in fact, I had an uncle. I, I don't even know his real name. We are just all called him Uncle Blackie. That may have been his name. I had to, I had to confer and find out. But uh, I had Uncle Blackie. Now that I think, <laughs> yes, okay. So everybody has names, and we have things that we are called. We use names to place a descriptor on something. 
Would you agree? And so with that thought today, we're going to look at our next subject in the line of Abram, the Abram family. And that is his son, grandson, great-grandson, Jacob. And we're going to start in verse number 22 of, I mean, Genesis 32. Yeah, Genesis 32, verse 22. There we go. My mind was flipping for a second. 32, 22. And it says, The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And when the man saw he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you asked my name? And then he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, Limping because of his hip. Therefore to this day the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket. Because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked and behold Esau was coming. And 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two female servants. And he put the servants with their children in front. Then Leah with her children, and Rachel and Joseph last of all. He, went, he himself went on before them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. And when Esau lifted up his eyes and saw the women and children, he said, Who are these with you? Jacob said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the servants drew near, they and their children, and bowed down. Leah likewise and her children drew near and bowed down. And last, Joseph and Rachel drew near and they bowed down. Esau said, what do you mean by all this company that I meet? Jacob answered, to find favor in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Jacob said, no, please, if I have found favor in your sight, then accept my present from my hand, for I have seen your face, which is like the face of God, and you have accepted me. Please accept my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. Then he urged him and he took it. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that it will fall upon the good soul of our heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let me give you a little backstory on this. Jacob actually was a paternal twin to Esau. And when 
they were born Esau, which means red, because when Esau was born, he had red hair already, and he was already hairy when he came out. So they called him Esau. And when Jacob came out, it says that he was already had his hand was already holding on to Esau's heel because he, they were trying to battle. They said in the womb to find out who was going to come out first. And so Jacob becomes the deceiver, the, the swindler, the sneaky one. That's what Jacob means, the sneaky one. And so they lived out these names, these, these titles. Esau would go out and he would go into the woods. He was a mighty hunter and he would bring back some good food and they would enjoy eating. And, but Jacob hung out in the tents and kind of hang out to himself and did things kind of unassuming so that folks would not know that it was Jacob. I didn't hear you that time, so I ain't going to say nothing. And so Jacob was his mother's favorite. Esau was his father's favorite. So we already see how this is kind of falling out. Sometimes we can cause a disruption or a dysfunction in the family by the child that does it the way that we want it done and then we don't provide the same amount of grace to the child that doesn't. I'm not talking about nobody. Look straight ahead if you're feeling convicted. Because sometimes we set up an environment whereby we felt as if we were not the favorite. Or some of us, bless you, some of us feel like I was the favorite. Now, let me come from the favorite perspective because I am the favorite of everyone that I encounter. And because of that, I get away with things that I should not get away with. Everybody likes me. Everybody wants to be around me because I am the favorite. And then there's times when I'm the one that's not the favorite because I want to be around everybody and nobody wants to hear what I have to say and nobody wants me to be around them so they find out where I'm going to be so they know where not to be. And so we have these two type of environments whereby in the midst of a family unit, we can cause problems. The problem is that if we do not show affection effectively to the child, the child then comes up with assumptions and presumptions on how they need to do things. So because Jacob was not loved by his father, the father who's the head of the family, as much as Esau, he had to compete against Esau to get his father's favor. And this all transpires in that one day that Esau goes out and he goes hunting and he's been out in the woods for a long period of time and he hasn't found anything and he comes back and his belly button is touching his backbone is the expression he's so hungry. And he's sitting there and Jacob's sitting there with a big old pot of beans with a little bit of, uh, 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 of, uh, with a little bit of smoked meat in there. And it's smelling delicious. And Jacob just sitting there stirring the beans. And, 
Esau shows up and says, man, them beans show. I'm so hungry. Them beans look good. And, and Jacob looks at him and says, you want some of these beans? And he says, yes, man, give me some of them beans. He said, these beans right here? He said, yeah, man, give me some of them beans. He's still stirring and the smoke is still coming up. He said, we got cornbread over here too. Oh, yes, please. I want everything. He said, oh, okay. Well, uh, are you hungry? Yeah, man. Come on, Jacob, give me some of the beans. Quit messing around. And so then what ends up happening is he says, well, you just, I tell you what, give me your birthright and I'll give you some of these beans. He said, man, you can have my birthright because I'm hungry. Mm. There you go, brother. So the two things here, Esau did not understand the importance of his birthright, number one. Number two, he did not understand how deceitful his brother was. Now, I ain't going to ask you which person you would have been in that scenario. Because we have all that have brothers and sisters have been in positions whereby we have tried to get something out of the other sibling. I saw a video the other day. A young man walks into the room with his family, and he says, he tells his sister, he says, I can make you clean my room with one word. And she said, no, you can't. And he says, Stephen. And she jumps up and starts heading to the room. While she's heading to the room, dad says, who is Stephen? Who is Stephen? Who is Stephen? <laughs> Did y'all catch on what happened? Yeah, y'all sneaky ones saw it on. But that's what there, there we we all have this propensity to manipulate, to do things in such a way that it comes to our favor. We all know that we have a little insight, a little uh, 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 room, or a little leverage on our other siblings. We all know what our siblings' deficiencies are. We know what our parents' deficiencies are. Some of us have, have played the game where if you really don't want to do anything, what you will do is you'll make your parents so mad that they'll just say, go somewhere, I'll take care of myself. Now, see, that works today, but when I was coming up, after the third time, it was, you just might as well go ahead and turn around and bend over because fire was getting ready to fall. But see, today, you just get your parents so upset, you can, they'll just be like, go on, get away from me. But today, well, when I was coming up, you had to go get away after you got dealt with. All right, you got God. That's a good way to say it. But my point in, in, in framing all this is that it came time that Isaac was saying, I'm old. I need to go ahead and pronounce the blessing on my son. Esau, come in here. Let me holler at you. Esau comes in. He says, I need you to go out, find me some food, uh, hunt me some food, because I love the way you hunt and cook, and bring me back something to eat, and I'm going to speak a blessing over you. He knew he was the firstborn, so he was going to get a minimum of a half of all that his father owned. But not just the material things, but the declaration of the blessing of the covenant from his legacy of his father. So he goes out. 
while he's going out, Rebecca happened to be sitting there and listening to what's going on. And she says, Jacob, your dad's getting ready to bless your brother. Come here. I need you to go cook this. I need you to do this. He says, I can't go in there because I'm smooth skinned and Esau's hairy. So she hooked him up, put on some skin and all this other stuff. He walks into the room with the food and Esau, uh, Isaac's like, you back already? He says, it was a good day. And he says, come a little closer. He says, you smell like Esau, but you sounding like Jacob. And he said, oh, dad, you just, you know, you're just a little tired. Go ahead and eat. So he eats. He says, okay, yeah, this is pretty good, all right. And then he speaks the blessing of the firstborn on Jacob. Now, you're saying, because his eyes were a little dim, which means he could barely see. His, his, his cataracts had fully formed. He couldn't see, right? And he had, he had some issues, and, and, and he was old. And so he speaks the firstborn blessing over Jacob. By the time all that has transpired, guess who comes back into the camp? Esau. Esau comes back. He does the cooking. He cooks everything. He gets in there. He goes in to see his father. He says, Father, here I am. I'm ready for my blessing. And he said, who are you? He said, I'm Esau, your firstborn. And he realized. I named that joker Jacob for a reason. <laughs> and he says I'm sorry your brother has your birthright now really he didn't because Esau gave the birthright away so it, that's how Jacob justified it it's mine because you gave it to me for a pot of beans but however that was not the right way to do it now if you knew that your parent, that the first, that your parents had uh, $3 million set aside and $2 million was going to come to you, would you be happy that your brother swindled you out of $2 million? You would kind of be upset, right? And you being a great hunter, you'd probably be saying, I'm going to kill that joker with a few other choice words in there. Am I right or wrong? So this is what happened with Esau. Esau comes out of the tent, and I'm going to kill Jacob. I'm going to murder Jacob. I am going to destroy Jacob. Jacob's mother heard it and said, boy, you better get to running. Why don't you go see my brother, Laban? And so Jacob gets to running. He goes. He gets to Laban. Now, the funny thing is, and I forgot to look up what Laban means, but Laban was just as... He was, he was another generation of sneaks. He is another generation of deceitful. Oh, oh, okay. He was OG of the sneakness. All right. So he gets his nep nephew there and he tells him, hey, why don't you work for me? So he works for him for, him for a while and then he sees his daughters and he's like, man, oh, man. I'm in love with Rachel. I'll tell you what. I'll work seven, and this is where he, he said, I'll work seven years 
to marry your daughter. Now, everybody in the camp knew that he loved Rachel. So Laban said, okay. He worked seven years, hard seven years. Seven years is up, they had the marriage ceremony. Now, how they did it back in those days is that that woman stayed covered until they went to consummate the, 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 uh, the marriage. They get up the next morning, and he like, what is Leah doing in there? What is Leah? He goes out, he said, listen, I wasn't doing that for no Leah. <laughs> I did all them seven years for Rachel. He says, well, our tradition is the first, the oldest go, you know, gets married first. He says, well, you know, you could just go ahead and work for another seven years, and then you could get Rachel. And that's what he does. So he gets, so the deceiver's now realizing what it's like to be deceived. Guess what he does? He works those seven more years. He works those seven more years, so then he gets Rachel. Now, it talks about how Rachel, he loved Rachel. He loved Rachel. He was married to Leah. He loved Rachel. So, but what, the way God worked this is Leah was more fertile than Rachel. So he lays down with Leah. She starts having babies. Rachel, nothing. So then Rachel says, well, why don't you lay with my, this sound familiar? Why don't you lay with my servant? And that, she, had, she had some babies. Leah said, so then, say what the name's now. So I'll just say firstborn daughter Leah says, Oh, if you're going to do that, Rachel, you, Jacob, you can come lay with my servant. So she has babies. But still, Rachel ain't had no babies yet. Then finally, Jacob has, I mean, Leah, I'm sorry. See, now I'm messing myself up. Rachel has a baby. And his name is Joseph. Now, if you notice in the scripture that I read, because he thought that, and this is the problem that we run into, it's at least 20 years since the incident. But he is still thinking of Esau as that mean, hateful, I'm going to kill you person still 20 years later. And so, as he says, we're getting ready to go see Esau because God told him to go back and see Esau. He says... All right, Leah, you come right behind me, you and, those, you and your kids. Then his two servants that had kids, they came next. The last set was Rachel and Joseph. Why? Because if Esau was still the old way, he'd kill all them, and hopefully by the time he got to Rachel, Joseph would still be able to live. See, y'all didn't think about that. That's, listen, he's he still operating. In the midst of setting all this up, though, this is what happens. God is moving him. God has revealed. God has showed him that you ain't the most deceitful person. You ain't the, you ain't, you ain't, you're not all that you think you are. You, you can't within yourself create what you want to have happen. And so he separates himself the day before they're going to meet up with Esau. And as he's laying there, he starts wrestling with this man. And as he's wrestling with this man, he realizes that he's wrestling with God himself. 
as he's wrestling with God himself, God says, all right, I'm done wrestling with you. Let me go. He says, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Now, when we transition from where we have been and what we have been called, there not only becomes this internal change, but a lot of times there is an external change. We may change on the inside, and then it starts reflecting on the outside. So when God says, we're going to change your name, he slaps him on his leg. When he slaps him on his leg, it causes the joint of the leg to fall out of place in the socket. So now, his name is not Jacob, it's called, he's now called Limpy. Because <laughs> now he's walking with a limp. He, because God has changed him internally, he has caused an expression in his body to occur so people know that something has occurred to him. God says, now you, I'm no longer calling you deceiver. I am now calling you the prince of God. That's what Israel means. The prince of God. You are now the prince of God. Because God has now changed him and rearranged him. And now as he's going to see Esau, Although his name has changed, although his disposition has changed, he still has some of the flesh that he has to deal with in order to go meet with his brother. And God confirms that there's a change because when his brother saw him, instead of him pulling out his sword, he pulled out his lips and kissed him. And he kissed him and hugged him and, and loved on him and said, what is all this stuff for? He says, it's, I'm, I'm your servant. I'm just going to, uh, I, I just brought it to you, you know. And he says, listen, I don't need none of this stuff. I got plenty. He says, no, but you got to take it because you are my authority in this situation. And I want to recognize your authority by giving you a gift. Didn't we just talk about that a little bit ago? And so he does this. And so what we can see in this is that Although we have been given a name, that God has a name that he has given us. God sees us in a different disposition than what we currently see ourselves. And so what we have to endeavor to do in order for us to understand our name change is that we got to wrestle with God. We got to encounter with God. Now my, now, my wife don't like wrestling. I wrestled for two years, three years in, in, uh, in my younger days. And the thing I liked about wrestling was slamming folks on the mat. And the thing that my wife would point out about those days was it was two sweaty men sweating all over each other. And so what the, 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 the thing that all, when she says that I think about is how intimate that you are but it's not an intimacy for friendship it's an intimacy for dominance it's an intim intimacy for control it's a conflict that you're going through you're causing uh, uh this to happen and that to happen and we're just 
Not, okay, let me just stop right there because it just went through my mind. I ain't talking about no WWE jumping off the top of no ropes and none of that stuff and, and all that dancing. I'm talking about real wrestling, not no wrestling entertainment. I'm messing with my grandson right now. And so we have to realize that real wrestling is a very combative situation where you're at all times in contact. And so we have to wrestle with God. Even though we know we probably, most definitely, going to lose. But that still don't stop you from showing the effort. I have an uncle. I remember we went to go visit him. And he said, I said, you, I, said I bet you I can pin you. And he was like, you can't pin me. Now, I probably weighed about 110, 115 pounds. He's about 2 teeth. So, yeah, I weighed about 100 pounds. Now, my uncle's. They're nice, but they ain't, they competitive. And so I'm out in the front yard just sweating. I'm th trying to pick his leg up, and he's just standing there laughing at me and all this other stuff. And he wasn't going to let me pin him because he knew I was going to go in the house and talk junk. So I went through, I, we was out there, and I was so tired. And we walked in the house, and my grandma, because I was one of her favorites, she said, why would you let him win? She said, I ain't letting that boy win. Because if I let him win, he'll never let me live it down, which I wouldn't have. But that is the thing. When we go against God, it's the being, having the desire to compete. Having that desire to, 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 to compete against God, even though it appears to us that we're going to lose. But if you think about it, Jacob, Israel didn't lose. He got blessed by God because he was willing to go into this situation and cause God to say, because you have changed because of all the events you've gone through, I'm going to change your name. I'm going to change your name. And after he goes through that, then he comes face to face with the thing that has caused him the fear, the thing that has caused him this, this, this depression, this thing that has caused him to change his entire life. He had to go face his brother. And he's hobbling himself out there, and Esau's coming over the, uh, the uh, horizon with 400 men. 400, he finna die. Esau jumps off his horse, camel, whatever he's riding that day, walks up toward him, looks at him, smiles, and kisses him. When he thought in his mind that it was going to be, he was going to lose his head. So Jacob's new name means he has now come to a point where he no longer has to struggle with others. All he has to do is serve God. You don't have to struggle with your sibling. You don't have, if you have a situation going on, this, I, I remember I was, I was reading this article. There was these two sisters that had not spoken to each other for something that happened in high school for 30, 35 years, I think it was now. 35 years they had not spoken to each other because of something that happened in high school. Their oldest sister 
was getting ready to pass away. And so she called him in and she said, well, let me know what time the other sister going to be there because I don't want to be in the same room with her. And she said, I'm not having that nonsense. Y'all going to both come in here and check on me. I'm dying and I want to see both of y'all together. They come in the room, one standing on one side, one standing on the other. And the sister says, I just got one question for y'all too. Why y'all not talking to each other? And the one sister said, well, something happened in high school. And she said, yeah, you know what you did. And she said, I didn't do nothing. And then they start arguing over who did something. Then the sister said, y'all don't even know what y'all mad at each other for. Y'all done did this for 30-something years. It ended up being 35. 30-something years because neither one of y'all wanted to ask the other one to reconcile. How many of us are not speaking to our mother, not speaking to our father, not speaking to our sister, not speaking to our brother, not speaking to someone that was close to us over something that happened so long ago that is insignificant now, and you are losing some of the best time of your life because you are allowing your pride to not show that I'm willing to reconcile. Now, I know what you're going to say. I tried, but they ain't, well, you ain't trying hard enough. Try something else. Try something else. Because reconciliation of the family reduces dysfunction in the family. You got aunts, you got nieces, you got cousins, you got folks that you don't even know because y'all mad at each other. That's all extra. I, that's, that's not in my notes. It just popped out. But we have to get our minds in a way that if we're going to serve God, then God is a God of reconciliation. If he's a God of reconciliation, let's get things right, make things right so we can be all right. And so this is what we have to do. We have to go forward knowing if I'm in Christ, if I'm a new creature, and guess what that means? I have a new name. My name has been changed, and I should be walking in the newness of life. If I'm walking in the newness of life, that means I should be exuding life to everyone I encounter. Amen. So if I'm exuding life to everyone that I encounter, what is the most precious persons that I should be encountering is the persons that are considered my family. We have to do this. We have to live this way. We have to live peaceably with all men. Because that is what the word tells. But it says as much as within you, you do everything you can, it's still their decision. But if you have done everything you can, then you've done your part. I'm not talking about if, if, your, if your siblings say, if you come to my house, I'm going to shoot you. Don't you go knocking on that door in Jesus' name. All right? Because we'll be doing a funeral in Jesus' name also. But if you go over there, if you find a way to interact with them, and they say, okay, come on over so we can talk, then it's different. But if they're still hostile about the situation, all you can then do is pray and allow God to work out that situation on your behalf. And if, my last point for today, and if it seems like reconciliation is not possible, 
then there should be some strong boundaries that you put in place. Think about this. We've seen how something like this happened with um, Prince, was it Prince Harry? Prince Harry and his wife, they said, we no longer want to be considered royal because y'all ain't acting right and you ain't stressing us out, so we're going to, to the uh, United States. And they put up boundaries. No, we, we're not going to go through this. Y'all don't want to act right? We're, we're going to move out. Sometimes you have to do that if the person is still being hostile and not wanting to reconcile. I don't want you jumping on, jumping on the railroad tracks when the train coming. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being civil and saying, I'm going to make the first step because I'm believing that the Jesus in me is going to talk to the Jesus in you, and we're going to come together in Jesus' name. Now, somebody might have the wrong Jesus, but we'll get it figured out when we're going through this conversation. But not seeking reconciliation is what the enemy wants. He wants the dysfunction in your family. He wants to be able to have a, a, a resident in your family because that is the best way for him to destroy unity in your family. So I want us to pull in from this, that when God changed your name, when he made you a new creature, that you are now a proprietor, you are now a purveyor, you are now an advocate for reconciliation. Reconciliation is to make things right, to get things back into harmony with someone or to settle or to resolve a situation. And that is what we want to do today. We want to create pockets of reconciliation so that we can all walk in the newness of life. Now the key that I need to bring up today is this. You have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ in order for this reconciliation process to work. And if you don't have that relationship, today is as good as day as any in order to get it. And the process is not a very difficult process. The Bible says it like this. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It also says, bless you, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And because we believe that this is not an individual sport, because this is a team competition, we're going to come alongside you, help you, assist you along this journey. But the key for our assistance to operate and, and, and to work in, on your behalf is you have to make the decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, if you have made that decision today, this is what we want you to do. We want you to email us at God's House CC.com. I'm sorry, info at God's House. See, that's why my mind messed me up. Info at God's House CC.com. Let us know that you made that decision today. We will come alongside you, assist you along this journey to help you understand the new name to understand the process of reconciliation so that you can do 
the things the way that God wants them done. Because in the kingdom, reconciliation is something that we do all the time. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends and family, that is it. Episode number four is completed. The name change. We need to reconcile ourselves with others so that we can live in the harmony that God desires. Well, until next week, God's blessings be upon you in Jesus' name. Thank you.